When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Nissan has been committed to the EV game since 1947. Their EVs have traveled 8 billion miles. 8 billion miles driven by Leaf owners globally since 2010. From the North Pole to the Formula E track to your co-worker's garage. Put the electric at EV with the Nissan Aria and the Nissan Leaf. Visit NissanUSA.com to learn more. Nissan. EVs that electrify. Welcome to Feels Like Weezer, where we're going track by track, song by song, through all of Weezer's catalog, uh, from Blue to Van Weezer, uh, and beyond. Um, I'm Eric Nash from Almost Famous Minute. And I'm Zach Fracking-Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at The Informal Log. How you doing, Zach? Oh man, I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're actually going to talk about a good Weezer album. (laughs) After these past two, I'm I'm really excited to talk about Maladroit, just as a whole. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you mean like personally? Oh, I'm doing fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm ready to nerd about about nerd out about Weezer. Of course, I'm all right. Yeah. So, what what are we talking about today, Eric? Yeah, it, this is the uh, Maladroit special, as we've been calling them uh, at the beginning of these uh, each album, and uh, I think we're gonna hear uh, a good bit from you, but I'll I'll chime in when when I have. Uh, little something to add i think oh for sure uh just I'm, i want to i want to address something right off the yeah. top some people pronounce it maladroit oh wow i'm not gonna do that mm-hmm. because one sounds pretentious <laughs> and two this is america we speak american here that's not zach cut that joke that wasn't a good joke um but no, I, I think maladroit is the common pronunciation, but mm-hmm. some people, usually like French people, French Canadians, you know, I've heard maladroit, uh, which I just, I just don't think is right. So, and me as the librarian of the group, um, I know these things, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so have you heard much of maladroit before? We started working oh, on this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I definitely uh, kind of uh, tried to come up with pretty rough years, um, you know, because because I'm pretty sure I had listened to it, you know, like say once or twice, 
a couple, roughly a couple of years after it had come out, you know, not right away. I just wasn't into Weezer as much as, as mm-hmm. I was back in the nineties. And then, <laughs> uh, now, um, but, um, uh, you know, so around like 2004, 2005, probably. And, and just, you know, it was like a library borrow or something probably. Yeah. Um, very likely. Um, but then, um, you know, and, and then I, I'm pretty sure I got around to buying it. Um, I picked it up, I think in like maybe around 2012 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and from, from then on, you know, I, you know, for, for an album that I've, that I'd heard, you know, oh, it's, and apparently it's, it's one that like maybe like did the worst sales wise. Yeah. You know, I think I've heard recently in, in, in some, in some, uh, uh, researching, but, but back then, you know, I mean, it's possible. I kind of looked it up then too. And it's like, but you know, it's just like, I mean, it was just a good price in a, in a bargain bin, you know? Oh, for sure. Uh, my copy was, uh, $3 and 50 cents. Yeah, wow. Um, I, I remember the price, but I just, I, took off the sticker but i do have a, a used sticker on here as well mm-hmm. um yeah this i i originally did not like this that much but this was during my like oh man the only good weezer is blue and pinkerton and everything else sucks mm-hmm. uh, and then also during my i think gratitude is a good album phase which i did have <laughs> um i i will be upfront about that but and I don't know why I slept on it for so long because I, I started listening to it about uh, I don't know like a year ago, year or two ago, um, and I'm like, oh man, this album just slaps. It is so good, and uh, you know, I think honestly, because I'm like, oh, I haven't listened to it a whole lot. I might as well put it in my CD player in my car when we started working on Pinkerton, um, me and you, and. It's like I just took it out of my CD player today, so <laughs> it's it's been in there for a good like five months, I think. Um, yeah, just about. So uh, I I really enjoy this album, and I'm really excited to talk about it, and you know, kind of show you that I do actually like Weezer, contrary to popular yeah. belief. Yeah, my, um, my my doubts have been forming about. Uh... <laughs> I don't think he's really a fan of Weezer. <laughs> It's like, uh, no, no, you could better. If he keeps uh, this up. <laughs> well, and the, the the main reason I like this uh, is because it's a huge departure from the Green Album. Um, you know, the Green Album was really polished and, you know, poppy. And this is, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing the, the grunge of Pinkerton. All the songs are darker and heavier and, um, you know, that that's what I really like about it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and it's it's produced by them, you know, yeah. or as unproduced as they call it. So, <laughs> well, and the other thing, I you know, I, the one big kind of takeaway I'd like to you know, before we then go in the, the song by song, what we're gonna do. Um, my one last kind of takeaway though is is that I mean, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there about you know less polished and 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 not mm-hmm. so pop poppy and little bit darker but also i think it's just it's just got a bit nice bit more of a nice of a of a of a variety of some songs i mean it's not like yes it's not like any are all that poppy but there are certainly a couple that are a little lighter and a little you know a little it has highs and lows side. yeah right like it, an album yeah. should have right. yes <laughs> <laughs> like and and it's it's just like 
if you were to do like a Weezer-thon and you were to just go through all mm-hmm. the songs, like, I, I don't know, like some weird podcast would do, um, but like after you hit green, it sounds like a completely different band yeah. from on, on Maladroit. And I think a lot of this is, it, to me, I think it really is the spiritual follow-up to Pinkerton, mm-hmm. um, you know, because green is... I think as green green is kind of where we we see Weezer now. Like I think if Green was released now, it would do very very well mm. instead of just very well. Um, I really think that this should have people been... are just more in tune with kind of oh, okay. This is this is what we're gonna get right. And, uh, and I, I think I've talked about this before. Like the the true order, the true release order <laughs> of Weezer albums should have been blue, green. Maladroit, then Pinkerton. And I know I just said it's the spiritual successor, but hear me out. You know, because with Blue, they they hit their big success. Green is incredibly polished and, you know, kind of what the studio execs want. And then you kind of start to see that that harder, darker edge with Maladroit, and then you get into Pinkerton. I don't think it would be as much as a of a jump from Blue to Pinkerton as it would be from Maladroit to Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. Um, one, then especially back up to green right after Pinkerton. Um, you know, and I say that because Make Believe is next, but, you know, which is similar to green. Not as bad, but similar. Um, now, what if you, now what if you reversed blue and green, though? What if green I don't think they'd be first? successful. I don't think, I think if they released well, green first, it yeah. wouldn't be... Uh, oh, but we we still have the same end result. Is that what you're saying? Kind of the same. The same okay. overall flow. Just the, the yes. flow is is more I think in that's... line with what I think you're trying to get at. Right. But I, I mean, it's kind of like yeah, what you're saying is successful. <laughs> yeah. Right. And to talk about some, I don't know, some some band about bugs, the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> there's, you know, you, you, they start with those really poppy, happy love songs, and then you know, it really does kind of go into a weird direction from there. You know, so. I guess we could almost say if that was the case, it was green, blue, Maladroit, Pinkerton, we would kind of follow the same arc. Um, but I don't think there's anything really stand out in green that could propel them to the level yeah. that they were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Island in the Sun and Hashpipe were only good because all the other stuff was really good before. Mm-hmm. And that all is to say that uh, we really see Weezer go into a direction, you know, that they are today with Maladroit, starting with this, where, you know, you kind of veer into them, him actually, Rivers, mm-hmm. actually, you know, interacting with fans, you know, and trying to hear what they want as opposed to just being Rivers, you know? Um, so before we really get into the album, uh, we should probably talk about the personnel changes here. Um, Mikey Welsh has, at this point, he left the band in August of 2001, um, and he checked into a psychiatric hospital in Boston. Carl Koch, unofficial fifth member of Weezer, um, would periodically update fans on the website, you know, letting them know that, you know, Mikey's, this is kind of what's going on, but after they hired Scott, they just kind of, 
Coke was just like, okay, what's going on between, well, this is a quote here, what's going on between Mikey and Weezer is a private matter as it has been since day one, and there will be no further announcements, news, or speculation in this space unless and until everyone involved is ready to make any statements on the matter. I, how do you feel about that? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just, it seems like it's a big matter of, you know, some people have some uh, have some issues, and whether it really is just Mikey or maybe Rivers in his in his ways, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially back then. Um, oh yeah, you know it's just you know what you know we just want to keep them happy. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna shut up. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I I, I I get that. I just, if I was a fan and I was really worried about Mikey, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, if I was a fan of Weezer, you know, um, <laughs> at the time, um, I just kind of feel like that, the timing on that is a little weird. I wish mm-hmm. they would have maybe waited a little bit longer after hiring Scott or, uh, you know, did it before the hiring Instead of just like, okay, we have new basis. Bye. <laughs> We're done with you, Mikey. Um, but so a lot of people, like nobody really knew the the whole story with Mikey. Um, and But in, tw- in 2007, he uh, gave the following statement. This is a big quote. You ready for it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Quote, basically a lifetime of doing drugs and being undiagnosed as having bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and borderline personality disorder caught up with me when I was 30 years old. At the beginning of three of a three-month European tour with Weezer, I started slowly falling apart. Without getting too graphic, by the time I w- the tour was winding up, my weight had gone down to 140 pounds, I'm 6'2", and mentally completely wiped out. When I returned to the States, my family had made plans for me to see a psychiatrist in Boston. First, though, we had to play a few dates around the U.S. and perform on The Tonight Show, which ended up being my last performance with Weezer. By the time I got to Boston, I was having a complete nervous breakdown. It ended with a severe suicide attempt and overdose. I was found and rushed to the hospital where I had come to within minutes of my heart completely stopping. I was in a coma for a few days and woke up in a lockdown psychiatric ward, end quote. Um, Which, this is, you know, it's a big deal, you know, and... um, I guess this is my point to say mental health is just as important as physical health. So please talk to a therapist, get on medication. I did it and it's great. But after that, he, he did eventually he checked out, um, of the psychiatric ward and, uh, he, he started a band, Uh um, with a guitarist from the mighty, mighty Boston's Nate Albert, which, yeah, I like Mighty Mighty Boston's. Well, I didn't get that impression though. What? <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't get that. What impression, impression though? What impression? the impression that I got? Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Okay. Let's go on. Thanks for pack right. <laughs> it in. We're done. Uh, we we hit peak dad joke it's over uh thanks everybody for uh you know it, what, what's really funny was right before we started recording uh eric was like you know i've got a few things to put in there 
you know, it's not just going to be, and I'm like, okay, great, you know, and I was expecting, you know, like, hard-hitting, you know, <laughs> well, that wasn't journalistic a one, takes. <laughs> it wasn't a planned no, one? That's no. even more, oh my god, that's so great. Um, oh, wow. So, um, oh my god. Okay, so, what he really liked about it was that he could play music, quote, without a major label idiot standing over your shoulder, quote, um, but later he retired uh, in order to become a full-time artist, um, like paint stuff. He, you know, actually had his art featured on a line of snowboards from Burton Snowboards, which I'm sure you know all about, right, Eric? Oh, yeah, of course. Big snow, big snowbird. <laughs> you know, you like a... No, that's that's when old people moved to Arizona. I've, I've never snowboarded, and the one time I snow skied I when I was like 11, I fell down a lot. <laughs> Didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds like my life. So yeah. uh, um, I tried before, snowboarding once. Yeah. Not good. Mm-hmm. Same, same thing. Now, before Lots we of kind of continue, I'm, like, I'm not doing this ever again. Uh, I don't like having my feet Mikey, controlled that much. Anyway, um, th- that's not important. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, do, do we, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's, do we want to, con- you know, say anything about his, then his death? I mean, I don't um, know how much we... I, I can't quite recall how much we might have referenced it prior. But Well, you know. I know that we, we kind of talked about it a yeah. few times. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we can get into it. Uh, but, I mean, you know, just, just as a little insert, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if unless we were ever planning on, for some reason, coming back to it. But it's just hard to imagine why we would. Well, it was one of those things where, like, yeah. with... Uh, kind of where we were and where i was ending it it's like that's about around this time yeah Um, yeah you know but i uh i'd be fine talking about it yeah i mean you know just just that it was um uh 2011 that was that that that, uh uh quote that last big quote was 2007 Mm -hmm. and talking about you know back in 2001 um the period that we're in um but you know, yeah, in, in 2011, and, you know, seemingly, you know, initially, you know, the, the you know, his own Facebook page, you know, whoever was doing that, his wife, apparently had a wife and a kid or two, I think, a um, couple kids, I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, they or someone for them, you know, posted on his page that he had died of heart failure, but, you know, it ended up being, of course, drug-related, unfortunately. Yeah, um, heroin overdose, um, seemingly. But you know, then then the then the most more crazier thing is that uh, apparently um, a couple weeks prior on Twitter that he had posted, he he, pred- he predicted his death. Yeah, essentially, amazing. Um, I mean, he tweeted, uh, but you know, is is that really a prediction or is it you know is is it you know a a version of a suicide yeah, note? You know. I, I mean, I don't want to speculate, but the timing is, you know, scary, oh, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, he, he was, he was, he was a really successful musician and, uh, you know, artist and everything. And he just, but unfortunately he just, you know, couldn't keep up with it and, mm-hmm. um, you know, took maybe took his own life or just died of an overdose. I mean, it's again, not my place to speculate, but, um, you know, and that's, you know, he was only 40, right. you know, that's, Three years younger that's than I am. young. 
Oh, well. Yeah. Now we know Eric is 45. <laughs> um, three. I know how to do math, Eric. Um, but he did have a pretty good relationship with Weezer still, you know, mm-hmm. like it wasn't like they kicked yeah. him out and then, you know, it was like, okay, bye. Um, but you know, in 2005, they played a show, um, and he dedicated Hashpipe to him. And then, you know, he was called on stage and everything. Um, in 2010, he was at a Weezer concert. And Scott Schreiner and Pat Wilson organized a last-minute switcheroo, that's another quote, um, and pulled him on stage to play bass during Hashpipe. Um, to the surprise of Wizard, Rivers, Rivers Cuomo. Wizard Cuomo. And then Welsh said, fortunately, they picked the one Weezer song I still remember how to play. And then he also played shortly before his death in 2011. Um, he played the sweater song with Weezer and the Flaming Lips. So... You know, they, fortunately, they did have still a pretty good relationship. Um, you know, it's just, it's sad that, you know, it had to end that way. You know, he's, he was a, a good part of the band and, you know, he's definitely missed. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really get to shine much, you know, with how uh, the Green Album took, you know, turned out. There's not really a whole lot of bass-driven songs like we have in... Um, Blue and Pinkerton, so. Um, so his replacement, Scott Schreiner, born in uh, Toledo, Ohio. Fun fact. Did you know that, Eric? No. How far is Toledo from where you are? It's like, like a three, three and a half hour drive north. Oh, gotcha. Well, see, I just imagine that it's all one, you know, like one interstate. Like how most people think of Iowa. It's just like, oh, everything's like ten minutes away from each other. Um, but he, uh, he's the full-time bassist. He's an ex-Marine. Um, and Weezer wasn't his first gig. Uh, he was part of the backing group for Vanilla Ice, which I think is really important to note. Um. Because, I mean, I assume he was playing bass guitar for them. Right. So, of course, the... And it's a pretty important, you know, bass line. Right. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Which, you know, right. it, even though it took me a minute to, to think, like, why? What, where's the joke <laughs> here? Um, uh, another really important thing that I need to talk about uh, was is that he guest starred with a band called The Scrantones in, uh, at the 2007 The Office convention. And he played uh, Radiohead's Creep with Craig Robinson singing, which I think is just a wonderful fact. And I'm very happy that I continue to read on his Weezerpedia page. Um, <laughs> um, so he, uh, at his first show um, with Weezer, he w- played at our good friends KROQ, uh, their Inland Invasion. He was attacked on stage by a former bandmate of his. Like, what? That's nuts! Uh, but he continued to play, and he is still with Weezer today, so... Um, the base position in Weezer is definitely not cursed, as I'm sure that people thought in 2001. <laughs> like, oh, how long yeah. is this guy going to last? But, um, yeah, I like Scott. I think he, he's got a really great 
you know, he's got a fun personality and I think it was a good addition to the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so onto the album itself. Uh, so in the later half of, uh, 2001, uh, Rivers was writing so many songs, like just boom, 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 boom. And, uh, they could like play an actual live show without playing any of the, you know, pre-recorded tracks, you know, from like blue Pinkerton or green. Um, so, uh, I was really proud. So I, we write this ahead of time, but I really want to read this uh, exactly how, how I wrote it. So uh, he was high on Nietzsche at the time and vowed to make Weezer the greatest rock band of all time. See, now that I read it out loud, I realized that I had time and time in the same sentence. It's garbage. This is a garbage <laughs> sentence. I was so happy. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. And then I'm like, oh, crap. No, that's not good writing. Oh, my God. Uh, so what he did in typical Rivers fashion was he just took complete control of the band, like more so than usual. He's just like, I'm doing everything. Bye. Um, which made obviously fans and the band a little nervous, but, um, so they started working on Maladroit and so they did, uh, three or four recording sessions, before and then an album really kind of started to make itself um but because of how rivers acts towards his fans um he decided that since it's declining the relationship's not doing well he's going to take the the actual meat of the album and give it to the fans and kind of have them act as producers Um, you know, they knew the band, they weren't motivated by money, you know, and they're happy to interact with Rivers or anyone, you know, of, uh, within the band. And, uh, this was when Rivers took up his infamous name, Ace. Do you know much about Ace? Uh, besides what I, as you, as you just alluded to, there is the thing you've written up and, and, and and allowed me to look at and so forth, um. But um, I'll definitely have I definitely have something I think I want to get to and you know if if you go into this and, and explain it a bit I, I think I, I think there's a couple there's there's a point I, I definitely have to make. Well, I think Ace is bigger than you know just a single follow or you know episode like this. So I'm thinking we might have okay. to do like a separate thing all about Ace wow. and how just trash he was yeah <laughs> but well and and you're talking about you know yeah ace as this other person so that's that's, mm-hmm. that's my point is that th- there's two two identities <laughs> um right. that i i kind of want to or, or people actually stars what have you um previous to uh rivers slash ace mm-hmm. um one being uh bowie Okay. And, and his changing identity. I mean, I mean, he just essentially through his whole career. I mean, he had you know all his identities from Ziggy to Thin White Duke, and mm-hmm. and and even though some later weren't weren't as um, I think well known as as the others. I mean, that's just something he would always do. He would for each album practically, um, maybe 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 two or three in a row at some point. Right. But, um, yeah. Uh, change change you know make himself over and and redo and, and kind of come up with a new way to think about things and, and be in the world and so forth now now that's very you know in the same vein it's musical it's music related here 
to what Rivers and Ace are um, did. Um, but then the other one, I think it might be even closer tied in a sense to what you're what you're saying, what you're getting at. Because mm-hmm. it, like you asked, I, I wasn't really familiar with this. Um, but so my, my second celebrity um, from the comedy world is uh, Andy Kaufman. Oh, yep. And obviously his so, alternative yeah. big, his biggest alternative idea. I mean, he certainly had the the, the earlier one, the European man, which became, um, oh, what's his name? I can't even think about it. Think about it right now. Um, but the, but the the one that was on Taxi. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but a little bit later, or essentially, actually, right right around the same time, according to according to Man on the Moon, the wonderful um, movie um, uh, with Jim Carrey. Um, right, right. We had. We very much saw in the middle of that, roughly, uh, Tony Clifton. So this was this really, I mean, even crazier, <laughs> more buffoonish, more of an asshole type character. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's just this other identity that I think Andy had deep inside him, and he just wanted to get out um, and, and, and and use this character to, uh, to do some of the things that, that he, I think he felt, to, you know, just, you know, that, that, him, he himself ever acting a little bit like Tony right. Clifton did would be too over the board and just would, would, would not be good for him. But as soon as he uh, was able to put, put it on, put on the guys, I mean, this is like a, a lot of heavy makeup, really right. prosthetics right. to, to get him to look the way this, this alternative person was and. And it even allowed, uh, I th- what I think, what I believe is uh, his his partner at the time, Bob Zamuda, to uh, to play the part sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that way they could fool people, <laughs> thinking, <laughs> try, try to halfway fool them at least, right. thinking they were that Andy really wasn't this Tony Clifton guy. Uh, so so this Ace character to me, I'm from what you from what I think you know you, you might say in the future, when, if if we go more in depth into him. Um, it just seems like he's just being this asshole character that he just needed to get out, kind of. Right. Yeah, I, I'm i going to agree to an extent. Yeah, okay. I think a lot of Ace is what Rivers has been wanting to say, mm-hmm. but just never had the avenue to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because he... I Because of the stuff that we've read with... John's John Larson's book and you know just the the other you know specials that we've done he at this point in his career he really did not like the blue album or Pinkerton you know mm-hmm. and the problem was all of the fans were like oh my god it's the best and uh Rivers didn't like that so now this was a way for him to interact with the fans pseudo anonymously um and let them know that, like, that stuff is trash. You should like the new stuff instead. Um, you know, and so, but, like, initially it was a good thing. Like, it, it it worked out way better than I think a lot of people thought it would. Um, but then eventually it became more and more, you know, Rivers going into his Rivers mode. Um, and he was not very happy with what people thought of only in dreams. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. at one point he, this was, this was where the infamous gay, 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 Disney gay mm-hmm. quote came from. 
But, uh, so yeah, I, I think what we'll do at some point is that maybe we'll talk, maybe as we get closer to the end of the, the album, we'll do kind of like a, maybe another special episode just about Ace. Um, so, but down in the clicky clack down at the bottom, I'll put a link to a, an archive of all of his conversations on the, uh, Rivers Cuomo message board or whatever Rivers message board, I think is what it was called, um, you know, definitely take a look at that. It's so worth it. Um, you know, because it, and it, it's an interesting time capsule. And I think this whole album is a really interesting time capsule as well, because you have a lot of things that you wouldn't say now, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, kind of prevalent in the album. But, uh, so a lot of stuff did come, a lot of good stuff did come from this, you know, where they were able to rework songs and, you know, change around the music and the title of the album was actually a fan suggestion as well. Um, it was under the working title of the black album, which obviously we use later. So, um, Maladroit was released on May 14th, 2002, which eagle eared listeners will know that is one day shy of a full year between green and Maladroit, um, which, you know, it's a pretty quick turnaround, but then there was the teal album and then... <laughs> The Black Album, which was like 23 days. But um, it's overall regarded pretty well, um, that it, it's pretty well done. I mean, it's kind of, they've got some really weird lyrics, which we'll definitely talk about in Dope Nose. Um, but one thing I highly and vehemently disagree with is that somebody said it was one of the worst, or Pitchfork rated it as one of the worst album covers of all time, which I am devastated about that i love it it's it's basic it's beautiful eric i love it and your photoshop of this is fun i thoroughly enjoyed it um and as you said earlier it's the lowest selling of of the from the band but um just a couple fun facts before we close out here um it's the first there's a lot of firsts for this album it's the first with scott schreiner uh, the first to have a booklet with lyrics instead of just pictures, but the pictures are really fun. Um, and it's the first album to have more than 10 songs for Weezer, not like in general. <laughs> yeah, I think I should clarify that. Um, and also that the first 600,000 albums or, you know, printing, uh, I, whatever, you know, CDs printed were uh, considered first editions and are labeled on the bottom right corner of the back of the album do you have your copy of maladroit mm-hmm. with you right now no no did you did you look for your fun number because i did uh i currently have in my hand uh number three hundred and thirty nine thousand two hundred and nine. wow wow but uh so that's basically maladroit um you know we've got we've got a lot of co- lot to cover and um, you know I'm really looking forward to this. It, I know I've been kind of negative the past couple of albums, but I think that this is really a good turnaround point. Um, so yeah, you got anything else, Eric? Um, the one last thing I'd like to point out is that um, you know, and it's kind kind of going pretty pretty much pretty close to the beginning um, of what you were saying. Uh, the the order in which you know that that it should have been the follow up to Pinkerton. Um, my one, my one other thought on that is mm-hmm. that you know there is definitely this one 
artist, musician, that, you know, he goes back and forth from one album to the next, being, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes. Do you know who that is? Uh, no. Oh. Uh, Beck. Beck. Yep. You know, know, he'll do Midnight Vultures, but then the next album is more low-key. I mean, that's, that's a very up-tempo, you know, album, and, and uh, the next one's a little more low-key, and then the one after that, some more up-key, and advice, you know, keeps going back and forth, back and forth, throughout most of his right. career, I think. I think after this, yeah. this is the last time we really see him, you know, at the, the low, um, you know, but... Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm looking forward to talking about this one. Mm-hmm. Are oh, you? Yeah. You are. You are too, right? Yeah. I. I yeah. You know. And definitely. You know. Listening to it more and more lately, I'm like, you know, man, this. This is. There's. There's something going on with this, and I can't. I can't wait to kind of dig into each of these songs more. They're. Oh, for sure. They're. They're not as. <laughs> uh, confusing you know the the similarities between each song as they were right for drink. like it, it, oh, slob is, is completely different like from American oh, yeah. Gigolo. yeah they're all like that and the solos are back okay all right yeah, we're not right. gonna get too into it but uh anyway uh i'm zach fracking smith you can follow me on twitter at the informal log and i'm eric nash uh you can find me also at uh watchman minute uh we uh we recently went through uh, for, for the HBO show, uh, all you know, we, we we recapped all the episodes um, each week. But you can now, if you binge watch the show, then you can also binge listen to our episodes at Watchmen Minute. That's the only way I consume media nowadays is binging. So, um, <laughs> and uh, this podcast, as well as Eric's Almost Famous Minute, is a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Um, check us out at pantheonpodcast.com. There's a lot of really good song-by-song podcasts and also some uh, just, you know, deep digs into music as well, just in general. So check that out, pantheonpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at Feels Like Weezer. You can find us at uh, on Facebook, Feels Like Weezer. Just look us up. You can send us an email, feelslikeweezer at gmail.com. You can also check out our Tee Public store, uh, just look up uh, Lucky Mustard as a user. I've also got the clicky down at the bottom. So, uh, is that it? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Are those all the plugs, I think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's keep wheezing. Hey, this is Brad Page from the I'm in Love With That Song podcast, inviting you to join me as we explore a different song each episode, discovering what makes these songs great. The performances, arrangements, and the production tricks and techniques are all part of creating those magic moments that turn a good song into a great one. On this podcast, we take a deep dive into each song, listening to all those nuances that came together to make it a great song. Our journey takes us across the musical map, from the Beatles and the Stones to Aretha Franklin and Tom Petty, Kiss, The Cars, Todd Rundgren and Roxy Music, from Badfinger to Al Green, Stevie Wonder to David Bowie. 
from Aerosmith to the zombies. We listen to it all on the I'm in love with that song podcast. You may be unfamiliar with some of these songs, and some of them you've probably heard a hundred times, but I bet if we listen closely, we can discover something new. So, join me on the I'm in love with that song podcast, and let's listen together, because I think you're going to love these songs too. Looking to expand or move your company? Ohio has the talent you need to scale for growth. Ohio's central location, reliable infrastructure, and top-ranked business climate are here to help you succeed. Get to business. Visit successinohio.com today. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 